Would you turn in your Bible with me, please, to the book of Luke? We've been looking at Luke. We're in Luke chapter 5. We started this in December, getting ready for Christmas, because Luke 2 is the famous Christmas passage with peanuts. And now we're continuing in Luke, and our goal is to see Jesus more clearly and to love him with everything we are. So today, I want to start with a little confession for you. And my confession is this. I am wearing a pink undershirt. (laughs) I am wearing a pink undershirt. How does that happen? The laundry. You're doing the laundry. And Lisa warned me. And she said, don't put that in. And I said, it won't bleed. It's been through the wash many times. It's fine. We need to get it done. One of the kids had a red thing they needed to wear, I think, for the Super Bowl, for the Chiefs. Go Chiefs. So I have a pink undershirt now. Praise the Lord. Now, that sounds funny. It's going to have more of a purpose because that's a pretty lame confession. I will tell you, I want to to be a great pastor for you. And I want to show you the way to Jesus. And I would love to be um, more righteous than I am sometimes. The reality is we all need Jesus. So when I say I'm wearing a pink undershirt, really what I mean is this. I like cars a lot. We've owned like 19 cars, and um, they're really fun. I just like them. A student of mine asked me recently, why do you like cars? And I was like, I don't know. They're cool. What's wrong with you? You don't like them? <laughs> and so uh, I have a car that we have. It's a, it's a 2006 Dodge Ram, and it's a, it's a blessing to us. It's a fun car to drive. It's got a V8 Hemi in it, and it's a four-wheel drive and all that kind of stuff. It's a pickup truck. Pickup trucks, by the way, are American. If you don't have one, you should probably get one. (laughs) Just saying, because they're the best. Are they not? They're the best ever. Every family should have a pickup truck. I'm dead serious. So we have had five in our life, maybe. And every time we sell one, I'm like, babe, I got to get one. I got to find one right away, because you have to have one, because they're the best ever. And so I found this pickup truck, and it was out by Incline Village. Uh, Not Incline Village, uh, Innsbruck. It was out by Innsbruck. This guy had it on his farm. And it's, it's rusty. I went and drove it. It started doing some weird stuff. And I was like, man, this, this truck might need an engine. You know, it's one of those kind of things. I, I don't know. But I checked it out. And I'm not, I'm not a mechanic. I watch YouTube. And then I break stuff. And then I call somebody who knows things. And they help me. It's <laughs> basically what I do. I do that also with my house. Dave Platt has helped me several times <laughs> with house things. You, Dave, you're a blessing. So, you know, I'm not a mechanic, but I drove this car and I was like, you know, I, I think it's okay, but it could not be. And so I told him that. I was like, dude, I, I can't give you what you want for it and I'm going to pass. And I was bummed out because it was far away. This happened like, what, two years ago? So um, he calls me a week later. He goes, dude, I've had five no-shows. Just give me an offer if you're interested. And I said, I got 500 bucks in a chainsaw. He said, I'll take it. So I towed it from his house to a mechanic friend of mine in Wentzville. And my mechanic friend called me and he goes, dude, you got bad oil. He goes, the car's fine. Change the oil, you'll be all right. And that was 4,000 miles ago and it's doing great. Praise, isn't that awesome? <laughs> Praise God. And the dude was blessed with the chainsaw and we've had a very dependable, excellent car. Well, my mother-in-law needs a car for, and we've been, I've been helping her look. And while I've been helping her look, I found a 2006 Cadillac. And so in the late 90s, Cadillac started producing a 4.4 liter V8 engine won tons of awards called the North Star engine. It had a problem because the head studs were too short. And so it had lots of problems with head gaskets, things you don't need to know about. But the problem was it was a great engine and got way more power than it should have for its size. 
but it had lots of problems, and they refined it, refined it, refined it, and by 2005, it was a solid engine. The problem with it was they tried to shove it into cars where they didn't have a big enough engine bay for it, like these little SUVs, the little cute little SUVs that run around, and so it got a bad reputation because nobody could work on it because it couldn't fit in there, and you had to literally pull the engine out for some of the work because it was in a bay too small. But the Cadillac STS, giant big boat of a car, had a big engine bay, and you could put that North Star in there. And 2,200 of those STS cars, they made as a V version with a supercharger. And it got 460 horsepower. And that sucker moved and was awesome. And they only made 2,200 of them, but it got a bad reputation because the North Star got a bad reputation, so they stopped making them, and they plummeted in value. And I found a dude in Wright City who was selling one for $5,000, and his post said, I need this gone, it's got a, a muffler problem, it's got an exhaust leak, and I'm like, I've got a welding machine, we're gonna be fine. And so I can fix that, no problem. And he said, I, I will trade anything that runs. And so I sent him a picture of my 2006 Dodge truck, and I said, would you be interested in this? And he goes, heck yeah. And I was like, Lord, you are blessing me. This is awesome, because I would love to have one of two, 2,200 of these cars ever made would be so cool. And I went yesterday and drove to Wright City, and I met this young man who was like 22 years old. And he's got this car, and it's needed more stuff than he told me, oh. for sure. However, this sucker was cool looking. And it ran, and it sounded awesome, way too loud because the exhaust was broken, but it was super cool. And I was like, man, this is great. And I said, Here's the truck, what do you think? And he goes, wow, cleaner than I thought, rustier than I thought. I said, yeah. He goes, full disclosure, I got a guy here coming here with 5,000 cash and an AR rifle to trade me. So I don't really want to trade you now. And I said, dude, I said, I'm here. Here's the title. Literally showed it to him. I said, I'm serious. You could have called me before I drove from St. Louis. He said, oh, you drove from St. Louis? I said, yes, we've been talking. I told you I'm coming from St. Louis. He was like, yeah, you did say that. I said, well, what do you want to do? Because I'm here. He goes, well, the guy isn't calling me back anymore, so I don't know if he's going to even show up. I said, so what do you want to do? He goes, I'm going to wait for the guy. I said, okay. I said, God bless you. You got my number. I said, if you want to, let's meet in the middle if you actually want to do a trade. Okay, he's not going to trade me. You know? So I got back in my 2006 Dodge truck that's rusty. And I'm driving back. It has 249,000 miles on it, and it's a blessing. It is a blessing. I've repaired a lot of things on it, and it's a $500 in a chainsaw, guys. It's a blessing. Straight, I'm honest. And it's quick, and it's fun. It's got a Hemi V8. It's fun. And I'm driving back, and I was frustrated with God because I had assumed, Lord, you're blessing me right now. This is great. I'm throwing out my 2006 Dodge truck that you gave me because what a blessing to get it how I did and I'm upgrading to this rare gem. This is gonna be awesome. And it didn't happen. And here's the deal. I found that I was telling God that the reality is I'm not where I wanna be. Does that make sense? Like, this car plummeted in value. It's five grand, and it's broken. Like, I could probably just buy it right now. I should be able to just buy it right now. 
but I can't do that, and that's frustrating to me. And I'm frustrated because this 22-year-old kid who's a bad businessman has this cool car. That's frustrating to me, right? And I'm driving back, and I'm like, come on, Lord. And so I'm wearing a pink shirt. <laughs> but the pink shirt is because I'm washed clean. Sometimes we let other things get in there. Let's read Luke 5. Jesus calls the disciples. Right after he's called the disciples, he has three stories. And we're going to share those stories together because I'm going to guess we all have pink shirts on. Luke chapter 5. While Christ, that he was Jesus, was in one of the cities. This is verse 12, sorry. Luke 5, verse 12. While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. But he charged him, tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, that means according to the law, for a proof to them. But now even more of a report went about him abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Praise the Lord for his word. In this first story we've heard, a man full of leprosy comes to Jesus. Leprosy is a skin disease. You know, it's actually caused by malnutrition. And so this skin disease makes your skin die. It's an autoimmune disease, basically. It kills your nerves. As it kills the nerves, it kills other things. There's a famous doctor in India who treated leprosy, and one of his famous quotes is, oh, that I pray that my patients could feel pain, because it kills the nerves and you can't feel pain. And so he would see leprosy patients whose nerves have died in their feet. They can't feel their feet at all. They would twist their ankle coming downstairs and not realize it and walk on their ankle until it had broken, and then have to have their pieces of their body amputated because it was so badly infected or broken. He said if they could just feel pain that God had made for them, they would be okay. Isn't that a funny prayer? So leprosy is a terrible disease, but leprosy has a problem, and it's kind of like a pink shirt. And it means this. The disease of leprosy is a skin disease, and according to the law, for you to worship, even if it wasn't your fault, it's caused by malnutrition, probably poor people, stuff happened, they didn't mean to get leprosy. Nobody's like, you know what? Leprosy sounds awesome. Nobody says that. And yet people would get leprosy, and because of the leprosy, they were not allowed to come to the temple and worship because they were ceremonially unclean. So these unclean laws of the temple were about worship, and those things were designed to help the people come to God in a right way. Now, you could be unclean if you sinned. That would make you unclean. But many of the purity laws, the ceremonial cleansing laws, didn't have to do with sin. They just had to do with other things that were happening. So, for instance, if you had an oozing sore... Don't come in to the worship before the Lord. If you were um, mourning the death of a loved one and you had to touch the body or prepare it, you could not come and worship before the Lord. Take some time. Uh, women on their menstrual cycle, don't come into worship right now. Take some time. None of those things have to do with sin. All of those things have to do with come aligned and ready and prepared and clean to worship. And so there are ways to do that. So this guy, this leper, comes before Jesus, falls at his feet, puts his face to the ground. He calls Jesus Lord. Do you know what that word means? It means owner. Owner. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. He doesn't even ask for healing. 
Make me clean so I can be restored to the people. Because unclean people can't be around clean people because they'll make them unclean. So that means the unclean people have to live away. And if you can never get over your skin condition, where do you have to live? On the outskirts, outside of society, away from everybody. You are pushed away. And he comes to Jesus and he says, if you will, you can restore me. It's a lot like the pink shirt. If you want to be ready, if you want to be presentable, if you're going to come before God himself, don't have the pink shirt on. Nothing wrong with the color pink. I'm saying something that didn't get done correctly. You want it to be cleaned right. If you're going to wear a pink shirt, wear the shirt that was supposed to be pink, not the one that was messed up. And I'm telling you today, one of the ways that we come to God, ceremonially clean through Jesus Christ, whose blood we confess. He saves us of our sin. It's his death and resurrection that makes us clean. He, the Lord Jesus, who died on our behalf and took the wrath of God, we have faith in him. It makes us well. It saves us. We trust Jesus, and he makes us clean. And sometimes by our attitudes and our own sin and our own thoughts and things that people can't perceive, we are not ceremonially, ceremonially ready for worship. We are wearing pink shirts. And I'm telling you, driving back in my truck yesterday, I'm confessing to you, I was angry at the Lord and frustrated because he wasn't doing what I want him to do. And if he says that he loves me, he should prove it with this cool car. And like a child with a tantrum, the Lord was like, are you done? <sighs> Man. So I called my wife, Lisa, it didn't work out. She's like, you shouldn't have got that car anyway. And the Lord's like, stop being dumb. Darn it. I want to be frustrated right now. And it's not, I'm not ready. Am I ready? Is my heart aligned for worship? I didn't go there because I knew this was going to glorify God. I went there because I was going to get something that I wanted. And I'm confessing that to you to say, where is our heart aligned? Because we read this about the leprosy guy and we say, oh man, I'm glad I don't have leprosy. Whew, that's awesome. We have good nutrition. This is great. But the reality is, if we let things go through the wash that shouldn't be there, we end up with pink shirts. Are we honoring God? Are our hearts aligned to him? They're not. Mine was not, is not. Then I come to the table and David says, do work with God. And I say, Lord, forgive me for my selfishness. Because he's good and he meets our needs. Sometimes he doesn't do it the way we want him to. And in vulnerability, I'll say, I don't want to be unclean. I want to be clean to come before him and do what he wants. Because at the end of the day, isn't it our heart's cry to be in alignment with God? In alignment with him and doing what he wants and honoring him. And all these things will be added. Because that's what he said. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All those will be added. Don't worry about those things. Because at the end of the day, seeing Jesus face to face, I'm not going to say, Lord, thank you for the cool car. I'm going to say, Lord, thank you for Jesus. You are everything. You, are, you shine brighter than the sun. And he's everything. And guess what? He likes cool cars. He invented that stuff. That's great. Praise God for that. But it's not the goal. And in my heart, I have to remember, too, it's not the goal. He's the goal. So Jesus heals this leper. How amazing. Jesus does not become unclean by touching the unclean guy, whereas every other human becomes unclean when they touch the unclean person. Jesus says, I will make you clean. 
And if you come to him with a pink shirt, he will wash you white as snow. Because he touches anything and makes it clean. Whereas we bring unclean things to him. He's the only person in existence that can do that. So then the story goes on in verse 17. The second story that Luke tells us. He says, on one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees, they're the, the law professors. They're the Harvard and Princeton professors of the Torah. They are the legal lawyers that you want. They are the law people of the day. And the teachers of the law, they were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord is with him, that's Jesus, to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, and they let down his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. That means in the midst of the crowd before Jesus. And when he saw their faith... He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this that speaks these blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, because he's God, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say? Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Wow, praise the Lord. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, today we have seen extraordinary things. Praise the Lord. What a great story. Now, we heard this story in Sunday school, right? It's awesome. Many of the roofs in this time, people would go up on because the days are hot. They don't have air conditioning. And so in the nights when it gets cool, they go up and sleep on the roof. The roof is usually flat. These guys go up there with some, probably some outside staircase or something, come up to the roof, finding no way into this house, which I'm guessing is not a 800-square-foot home. I'm saying that because everybody's gathered there. The most important people from Jerusalem, the Ivy League lawyer people, have come to see Jesus. They probably didn't go to an apartment. They went to somebody's mansion, probably. So I'm guessing this is, it doesn't tell us exactly, but it's probably a wealthy person. The fact that Luke says there's tiles, tiles were very exclusive. So it's probably a wealthy house and a bigger house because they can fit Jesus and all the people. And it's packed in. And they rip up the tiles and they dig up the roof. Could you imagine being in that meeting and stuff's falling on your head and you're like, what is happening? And this is a high-fluent kind of thing. This is not just the regular people. These, this has gotten a crowd of the, the elites that are coming to see Jesus. Stuff's falling on their heads. And this guy gets lowered down. Now, in my, in my imagination, I can think of this guy telling his friends, I got to see Jesus. There's nobody who can heal me but Jesus. We have to see Jesus. Lower me through the roof, please. Anything, guys. And as he's coming down, he's crying, oh, because he's shaking and, you know, the thing's not stable and he's being lowered. And then he gets to the ground. And he says, Jesus, heal me like the leper. But the reality is that the Bible tells us that Christ, when seeing their faith, the friend's faith, 
he sees the paralyzed man. I don't know that the paralyzed man even wanted to go. I wonder if the friends picked him up and put him on a mat, strapped him to it, and ran all the way to this rich person's house because, by God, they were going to see Jesus. And I'm taking you in there. And he was like, maybe he couldn't even speak. But in their persistence, they were ready to ruin a rich person's house. They were ready to make the lawyers angry. That's something you don't want to do. Because we got to get this guy in front of Jesus. They lower him down, and they're looking down. And I can imagine them saying, just please, please. And Jesus, seeing their faith, looks at the man and says, your sins are forgiven you. Because Jesus sees the need of physical things that have to happen. But the first thing he addresses is the heart, the true need of the man. And I wonder if he wasn't disappointed. I wonder if the friends weren't disappointed at first. I wonder if maybe he had an emotional moment with God. He's standing in front of Jesus. Jesus can perceive people's thoughts. He's, not, he's laying in front of Jesus on the mat. I wonder if tears are streaming down his face because this is the touch he needed. It wasn't even the physical thing. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But it does tell us that Jesus can hear all the critics' thoughts. How can he possibly do that? Who does he think he is? What does he think he's doing? And Jesus looks at them and says, is it easier to, is it easier to just say it? Just say the words. Nobody can tell me I didn't do it. You don't know. I can say it. You heard it. How do you prove it? Or is, easy, is it easier to actually just do it? Stand up and walk. Holy, he stands up. He's glorifying God. He's jumping around. He's leaving the, I, what do we do with that? He can do anything. Jesus can heal anything. And if he says he can forgive sins, I guess he can forgive sins. And here's the tragedy of the story. Are you ready? These lawyers, these people, these Pharisees, these scribes, they are the ones who should have brought the paralyzed man in. They're the pastors and the preachers and the priests. They're the ones who care for the people so much that they're going to tell you exactly how you need to live to have a great life. They're the ones that are going to be your spiritual guru, who are going to show you everything you need. These are the life coaches. These are the ones with the best websites, with the most followers, with the best TikTok videos. They are them. And they don't actually care about bringing anybody to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, they just want to do it right. I know, and I have it right, and academically, I know I have it perfect. So you, Jesus, I don't know about you. And instead of bringing the most vulnerable people, they kept them out because the crowd was unwilling to let this guy come in. And so somebody had to break through a roof. And you've heard a lot of sermons about having faith like the friends. I'm asking you, do you have a heart like the Pharisee? Where nobody can get into Jesus because you're going to do it so right that you actually miss the point. That you are so consumed with having the right stuff that at the end of the day, the people who are paralyzed that God has put in our lives, we are more concerned with the cool, rare car than we are with actually bringing people to Jesus. 
And I'm telling you yesterday in the car, I was way more concerned with that stupid Cadillac than I was about anything else. Do we have pink shirts on? Are we ceremonially clean? Are our sins forgiven? Are we caring about other people's souls? Is the first thing we want just their goodness, or do we really want to see them right before God? Because that's the first thing Jesus addressed with this guy. Your sins are forgiven you. Before he even touched the body. Then we hear another story. After this, verse 27, Jesus went out, and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, here's the problem with Levi. He's not ceremonially unclean because of leprosy. This is not something he had brought upon him that wasn't his fault. He chose to be a traitor to his own people, to extort them for money, to align himself with an oppressive government for his own gain. He chose to steal from his own countrymen. He cast himself outside of society by his own choice because he wanted the riches more than he wanted the society. He chose to be a tax collector, to align his heart with Rome instead of with Israel. And then Jesus comes and says to him two simple words, follow me. And the tax collector leaves behind his old life. Not just the riches that he's stolen, his own life to follow Jesus. And this guy is a sinner. He's a, he's a thief. He's a mob boss. And he's using the power of Roman soldiers to beat people to take money from them. I mean, this is a bad guy. He's outside the society. He's outside what everybody wants. And his only friends are people like him. So he has a mob boss party at his house to celebrate Jesus. And the Pharisees rightly come up and say, Jesus, what are you doing in that dive bar? Don't you know the people you're with? They are not outside because they have leprosy. They are not people who are paralyzed and need help to come to you. These are the thieves and sinners. You know it. Why could you eat with them? And Jesus looks at them and says, I didn't come for those who think they are righteous in their hearts and don't need me. Which you assume you are, Pharisees. I came for the people who know they need help. And that's the problem, is the Pharisees, they didn't bring anybody to Jesus, but they also don't think they need him. Jesus, they, they think they're righteous. They're doing everything right. Everything's good. We don't actually need what you have, Jesus, because we got it figured out. And instead, he came to call sinners to repentance. Do you think that the prostitutes were soliciting prostitution around Jesus? No way. Do you think that the tax collectors were doing bad tips for the waitresses around Jesus? No way. Do you think that they were trying to steal stuff and food and drinks from the bar around Jesus? Absolutely not. Because everywhere Jesus went, not only did he make unclean people clean, 
He challenged the very core of everybody who's around him. And when they see Jesus, they see what righteousness looks like shining out of him, sitting in the dive bar. And they're like, what you have, I need because I am dying here. And whether they are paralyzed with the faith of friends that help them, or whether they themselves come and say, Lord, forgive me, he is quick to, re- to bring them to repentance. He is quick to forgive. This King Jesus, he is so majestic in his grace. He's so wonderful in his kindness. And what a tragedy it would be for us to assume that we are good without him. Because the reality is we have pink shirts on. We have attitudes that we have let other things creep in instead of being pure in our love for Jesus. I'm telling you, in my own confession, it was me in the car yesterday. It was me when I woke up this morning and saying, Lord, I want what I want. I don't care about what you want. And you will show it to me if you give me this thing. And I repent of that because it's stupid. It's stupid. And sin makes you stupid. It does. And instead to say, Lord, you're everything. I need you. I don't want to wear a pink shirt. I definitely don't want to wear a stained shirt. Forgive me of my iniquity. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my uncleanness. Lord, I bring it to you because what you touch becomes clean and you're the only one in existence that can do that. So there's no other sacrifice that I can give. There's no other edict that I can do to be clean except come to Jesus. And I'm telling you today, you have to know that he is the only source of righteousness and cleanness. And we cannot, cannot, for the sake of the kingdom and Jesus' name, be Pharisees who think we have it figured out. James tells us if you say you have no sin, you deny God. How can we act like that? We are saints of God who are cleansed by his blood, made righteous because of him. And every day we come and say, Lord, I need you. Forgive me afresh. Wash me afresh. And Lord, I search in my heart if there's any uncleanness, if there's any attitude, if there's any leprosy, if there's anything anybody can't see, if I'm paralyzed in a place I don't realize, Lord, you show me, forgive me. And guess who God uses to help you do that? The Holy Spirit, number one, and your buddies. And they reach out. This is why we have the body. This is why God gave us marriage. It's not just fulfilling in all these ways. It's a spouse who's faithful who says, don't worry about that stupid car. And you're like, you don't get it. (laughs) And then the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, you're wearing a pink shirt. What are you doing? Again, I'm not against the color pink. I'm against attitudes that are pharisaical. Attitudes that are against Jesus, but we think we're living for him. Attitudes that say, Lord, I love you as long as you do what I want. And guess what? That's our culture. That's our proclivity. And instead, when you say, Lord, I'm yours through and through, wash me clean. Lord, I want to follow you. And Jesus gives us two simple words, follow me. The question is, what will we do if we know he's the only source of cleansing? He's the only source of righteousness. It's his death and resurrection that saves us. What will we do? How do we live? Here's how you live. Throw yourself before him like the leper and say, owner. Wash me clean. I'm yours. Owner. I'll follow you wherever you say. And then he will expose, because he's faithful, the Cadillacs. 
He'll expose because he's faithful to things. And when they get exposed, you come and say, Lord, here it is. I see it. Forgive me. Forgive me. And guess what he does? Washes us clean. Again, more and more sanctified to look like him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. More and more like Jesus. More and more like him. More and more power. More and more grace. More and more love. More and more all the time. Overflowing. And who stops it? We do. Because we want the Cadillac. So if we're going to be a church who makes an impact for God, if we're going to be a people who do what he says, if we're going to be a people who see this in our own lives, we say, Lord, I'm yours. And then we live it out, and it hurts a little bit. It hurts a little bit. And then we rejoice when we get the Cadillac, not because of the Cadillac, but because God is so faithful. He's so good. But we rejoice more. You know, it says that heaven rejoices with every sinner who comes to repentance. Mm -hmm. What does heaven rejoice in? It rejoices in people. And we need to be a people who are not Pharisees, who think we have it figured out. But instead, every person we meet, we say, do you know Jesus? Every person we meet, we say, I'm clean because he made me clean. Are you clean? Every dive bar we go into, we go in and the prostitutes stop soliciting. And the people stop binge drinking because righteousness has come. And it's not you, it's him in you. So don't binge drink. It won't help anything. Instead, go in every place of life, every restaurant, every place you go, every business, every Deerberg's, every Schnucks, every Aldi, every Walmart. Walmart needs Jesus. <laughs> so who does he send? He sends the church. He sends you with the power of the Holy Spirit cleansed and made righteous that you walk in and say, this is the kingdom place now. And what does that look like? It, likes, it looks like speaking up for him. It looks like bringing people to Jesus. It looks like praying for somebody on the spot. It looks like stepping out in faith and saying, Lord, I trust you more than I trust my reputation. Well, what if somebody gets my weird prayer on TikTok? Then so be it. Because we love Jesus more than we love our own lives, our own reputations, our own selfishness. We cast all that aside and we follow him. So what do we need to know? He's the only source of cleansing. He's the only one that can give us righteousness. What do we need to be? We need to be followers of Jesus. What do we need to do? Be quick to follow him. Search your own heart and then do what he says. Do it today because he's worthy. Amen? Will you stand? I'm going to pray for you. Lord, you are good. Lord Jesus, where can we go? You have the, the bread of life. You have the very word of life. Lord, you are our source. Lord, we cannot live without you. Lord, we think we can. But without you, Jesus, we will wither up and die. And so, Lord, with our lives before you as living sacrifices, use us, God, for your glory. Lord, purge us of uncleanness. Purge us, God, of sin. Forgive us. According to your word, Lord, you do forgive us as far as the east is from the west. Lord, the word we heard today, you finish what you start. So, Lord, we trust you because great finisher, great promise keeper, Lord, covenantal God, we place ourselves in your hands. Owner, we love you. We are yours. Lord, where we are weak, help the body to help us come closer to you. Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask you that you would press us to Jesus to look more and more like him every day. According to your word, God, let it be done unto us. May you know 
the call of the Father on your life. May you know the rule of Jesus, who is the only one who can make us clean. And may you know the power of the Holy Spirit as he sanctifies you to look more like Jesus Christ, our master, our owner, our Lord. God bless you. Have a great week. The Lord is with you. Amen. Bless you all. Have a great day.